electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wapner with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl and David have the morning off. Let's take a look at futures this morning, how we're going to set up for the trading day on Wall Street. Mixed picture right now. S&P would open negative by a few points. Dow down 52. NASDAQ would be higher. Our roadmap starts with corporate earnings and the COVID recovery. AT&T, Dow, CSX among the names reporting this morning. We're going to break down all of the results. Plus, American and Southwest posting quarterly profits boosted by a surge in travel demand. We're going to talk with Southwest CEO Gary Kelly later on in the hour. And shares of Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi under pressure once again. Beijing reportedly considering a slew of new penalties, which could include a record fine or even perhaps a delisting. Let's talk about, though, Jim, you saw where the futures are, sort of where we are. I, I, I suppose the obvious question is, so the correction's over? That, I mean, that was it? That's as deep as we get, and now it's about building back up? That would not be unusual for 2021. Uh, uh, my friend Carolyn Barodin, who does Fibonacci work, which actually does work, but just showed you that we've had six three-day corrections so far. And they're all the same. They're almost exactly the same. And you had to buy it. Uh, it seemed odd to buy it. It seemed ugly. But they've all been three days. So it certainly would be in keeping. And sometimes I struggle to try to figure out why you can rally. But, you know, you and I were kicking around a bit of a, of a thesis that is difficult to talk about mm-hmm. uh, and sad. But what I think the market might be predicting here in some way is a 1918-1919 uh, end to the pandemic, uh, but in a way where you're either vaccinated or you get it. And if you get it, you hope it's low morbidity, as they, hope, as they say in the United Kingdom, or it may unfortunately be high morbidity, like in, in India, where two-thirds of the people, it was in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, two-thirds of the people already have antibodies. 400 million. This thing spreads very rapidly. It's going to not be good. This is not how you want the pandemic to end. You want it to end by full vaccination. But what I'm leading to is how did 20, how did it end in 1919 herd immunity? We're going to have a brutal form of herd immunity. And it's going to happen, as Dr. Gottlieb said, in the next few months. And what you're suggesting is that the market now is coming to grips with that and has the ability, at least right now, to look through the pain and see the other side of herd immunity and then a roaring 20s-like scenario. But you're going to have to get through a very difficult period over the next many weeks, especially for the unvaccinated. Exactly. And when you look at the jobless claims this morning, they're not good. Then you start thinking, well, maybe Delta variant. Why should I go back to work? Uh, you start thinking, is it going to be unfortunately time versus school? Well, we've got to have people send kids to school so they so women can get back into the workforce, something that Gina Raimondo, great secretary of commerce, been talking about. But this is how, now look, does it end? I mean, that's a dangerous thing to say. But 1919 ended 
because everybody got it, right? The new uh, Delta strain, according to Dr. Gottlieb, you know, talking about one gives it to nine. Well, you can do gives it to, you know, each person gives it to nine. You can see how they got to two-thirds very quickly in India. We just need to have low morbidity. But you might have low morbidity in Arkansas, in Missouri, in the states where there's been resistance. But it does end by everybody either getting it and hopefully living or getting vaccines. But does it in any way, though, delay some of the reopening? Yes. I'm calling it it the great snag. It's the snag in reopening. And I think that when we talk to Gary Kelly from Southwest, we can find out whether there's a snag there. Those numbers look very good. The airlines, it seems like people are willing to travel almost as if what's happening in the UK. I don't know if you've been following what Boris Johnson's saying. He's saying go out and do what you want. Now, why would you do that? I think it's because he believes that if you do get sick, we are much better at handling people getting sick. So he's he's got a low morbidity way to have herd immunity. Now, a lot of the better people I speak to think that this thesis is completely spot on. It's not how you want this to end. It's not uh, a roaring 20s yet because, geez, we got to go through some serious, serious morbidity. But once everybody has it, like they did, you know, go back in 1919, there's been some great specials, there's an American experience on it. Like one day people, it just ended. And the reason why it ended was because everybody, everybody had it. Everybody had it. So at, at this level, Delta, everyone will have it very quickly. What, what, is it, what does it mean, though, um, for travel-related stock? You know, like experiential stocks. The casinos have been hammered this week. Yes. You said we're going to talk to Gary Kelly. Uh, Scott Kirby of United was on yesterday. He's fairly optimistic about where travel is. Here's Doug Parker, American Airlines, from uh, Squawk Box earlier this morning. Let's listen to that. We can talk on the other side. We intend to keep growing still into the fourth quarter. I think by the fourth quarter, we'll be, we'll be you know, about 90 percent of 2019 levels. We're going to keep growing back. As, we're going to keep growing as demand grows. Uh, we've been more aggressive than others, uh, and we're happy about that. Uh, you know, we're, we're now we're now flying a lot more customers than anyone else, uh, meeting the demand that's out there. And as demand continues to grow, which we expect, we'll continue to add back capacity. All right, that's Doug Parker, American. I, I suppose you're, you're as optimistic as you can possibly be, given where we've come from. Who wants to come on and say, hey, look, this thing could be ending? Because a lot of the non-vaccinated people are going to get it. Some will die. And uh, but none of them feel like they shouldn't do everything they want. Same as the UK. The numbers. I mean, I I don't think I think these airline stocks are down today. It's probably a mistake. It's probably interesting. I think after you listen to Gary Kelly, you're going to want to buy. And the reason you want to buy is because people have decided the, the people who are unvaccinated have decided it's just the flu. And the people who are vaccinated have decided it's just the flu and I'm not going to get it. That's what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, the unvaccinated, I think that their estimation of, the, of what the flu is, is a little too uh, glib. Uh, but they're, but they're, uh, it, 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 it tends to be a group of people, people, Scott, as you know from Twitter, who are adamant that we who think that they might die are dead, just dead wrong. So if you're adamant that you're okay, you're flying, you're going to Disney. That's why the, the downbeat numbers today uh, seem incorrect to me. Now, Gary Kelly also, he can't come on and say, you know what, everybody's going to die. He's going to die and we're in good shape. I mean, who, I mean, that's not a narrative that can be discussed. But what he can say is that people are much less fearful than you realize. Well, what do you want to do with the so-called stay-at-home stocks, which this week have rallied hard? Well, I mean, are those now a, a sell because of the reality of 
get through the painful period and then we're going to be off and running? It's I think it's case by case. About. It's case by case. For instance, uh, Unilever, stay-at-home stock, uh, higher costs, still got 5% organic growth, but the higher costs nullify that and people don't like it. Not, not to mention, as you said, I think it was on Twitter this morning where you talked about Unilever as not having the growth to offset. to offset some of those higher costs. They ain't no Chipotle. I mean, they, you know, they put up the results. I mean, I get the results at 3 a.m. I said, these aren't so good. That's a great way to start the day. Look at this, though. Domino's. I have them tonight. People felt that's the ultimate stay at home, right? I don't want to go out. I want to eat Domino's. That way I don't get infected. Well, they, they were up 3.5% versus last year. So that's an acquired taste that people acquired. Now, I'm a big Domino's user. And what that says is people like Domino's, and they're going to stick with Domino's even though the pandemic should, could be winding down. So there is a stay-at-home stock that works. Now, Netflix, though, I mean, remember the old Netflix calls that would say, like, wow, you know, Reed would talk about what he liked and Ted talked about what he liked. You're and longing they, for the good old days. Yeah, and now it's like, hey, listen, gaming. No, 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 Reed, what are your favorites? What, what, are, what are the favorite ones? I mean, no, no, that Netflix turned out to be a stay-at-home store. Now, some places are doing stay-at-home. I've been critical of Disney, but then you watch Black Widow stay-at-home. You pay 30 bucks. As, uh, that's the price of popcorn. Go to AMC if you own stock, you get free popcorn. So you feel like, wow, I should go buy AMC, get free popcorn. But I do feel that it's case by case is what I'm saying. The, the most it's Im- case by case. Is the most important thing that has happened in the market this week, the fact that rates stabilized. The 10-year is back up to, I think it was 130 this morning. So we're not sort of looking through the rate complex thinking something terrible is on the horizon. Bond market sniffing something out that the stock market I, I, hasn't I think come to you grips should, with. I think you should short the bond market. I think that it's if our theory p- plays out and that the people who are not vaccinated feel like they can do whatever they want because they're only worried about the flu and the people who are vaccinated can do whatever they want because they're not worried, then what the hell is the interest rate? What are the interest rates doing so low? That's more like the starter home numbers we saw today where there's a shortage. I, I am I remain bullish. Uh, I do believe this three day correction scenario. I look at the airlines today and I think they could reverse. I saw the Dow, Dow was up. The futures were up at one point and now they've come down. But, you know, I see positive notes about about NVIDIA and about Microsoft. They said boring 20s again. And then I look at companies that are reacting incorrectly. Abbott Labs was very good. And it's not acting correctly. Union Pacific was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was first not acting correctly and now is. I'm saying that don't look at the stock market now. It's, it's digesting numbers incorrectly. Well, speaking of numbers, you just mentioned Microsoft, the new street high price target at City. Now, so why that, did they go to, to 378? Why, why does he go to 440? I mean, come on, City. Do better than that. I'm sorry. I mean, but if you've, you know, you have Mike Wilson on today. We do. Mike Wilson does not do that kind of thing. He but does Mike, not. He does not say, "Listen, we're you know, I'm pra- I, the, I, I'm raising my price target for uh, Coca-Cola from uh, 56 to 130." I mean, you know, come on. Mike Wilson's been directionally right, right. in thinking that there is going to be a rolling correction, and he was. It's not like he woke up this week and started predicting it. No. As we're in the midst no, of it, look at Nucor. You're calling for it. No, look at Nucor. You want a rolling correction? It's the largest steel company. Uh, remember, this is our largest steel company, okay? And it reported an unbelievable number today. It sells at four times earnings. Well, that means people think it's going to fall apart, right? They think it's obviously it's not four times extra earnings. It's obviously 20 times extra earnings. I think that Nucor's price wrong. I think that things are going to be good next year. 
I think Mike thinks things are going to be good next year. He does. Now, look, he, he's been looking for a 10 to 15 percent correction, which sounds severe in the context right. of what 3 percent was feeling pretty bad. Hey, listen, Newcore just had that. Well, a lot of stocks have had that yeah. in the rolling correction. South, what, me, what do you think Carnival that? didn't have that? But what hasn't had that? Fang. Big tech hasn't well, had that. Why? Because of what Lee Cooperman said. Because they're still cheap. Are you familiar? Did you catch what Lee said? I, I happened to be listening when he was talking about it. Oh, then you know that he, it's just a question of how much. That was a good interview. Just how much fang you have. I mean, it's kind of like I'm underweighted he in the S&P. A, he has a lot of fang. And I like Lee. I've been taught by Lee since 1981. I think what Lee has always is a sense of where you are. You know, kind of like the Bill Bradley book by John McPhee. Then this Microsoft price target, you know, street high, is not, you know, over the moon, right? Yes, I mean, but these- what he's saying is there's some, look at these stocks that are being posted. Please, Netflix, please take that out for now because Reed didn't even have a movie, but didn't even have a miniseries he liked, let alone an actual. I feel like know. we need to retire Netflix from the fang. No, I, no, no, not until we see if the, they can start making movies again with post-COVID. I mean, that's what we have to hope there. But the Microsoft call, the NVIDIA call. I mean, NVIDIA, everyone is back, back on the NVIDIA case. I think AMD is ridiculously valued if once they get the Xilinx deal, it's going to go up. So tech is going to have a rally today. But Mike Wilson, I think he would say, well, look, tech just finished a very brutal correction. And I'm, I'm referencing Mike because he's on. I'm referencing Lee because that was the most provocative interview we had on TV. And I think Lee was, hey, you know, I'm not that int- I'm not that into Fang. I only have this much Facebook, yeah. only this much Alphabet. I have only this much Amazon. I mean, no, Lee, you're into Fang. Well, his biggest Love you, posi- Lee. his biggest positions, uh, I believe, are in in Fang. By the way, Texas Instruments. Since we're well, talking no, about chips, that, that was a conference call. That was a Stephen King conference call where everybody dies. And it was like one of the worst conference calls I've ever heard. It was that was the stand. I mean, do you know that the analysts were begging them to say something positive? I mean, one of the analysts, I think, basically said, could you please tell us something good? I mean, honestly, I mean, say something good. Well, I mean, tell me what, something there, good. Wasn't, tell there something period, sweet. wasn't there a time, though, where people looked at Texas Instruments as sort of a bellwether for what's happening? Well, they had chips? really good inventories for when you needed inventories, but they were very lean on inventories. They said that ultimately many times. The analysts were quite surprised. Texas Instruments told a negative story. I, I, it's like, I mean, the stock I mean, is showing. Well, exactly yeah, but when you have a conference call where you say, listen, our stock's too high, that tends to be. Well, you didn't really say that. What they said was, we didn't buy that much stock, and we have no really good forecast for you, and why don't you just go do something else? Why don't you go listen to CSX? Why are you bothering us? <laughs> go do something else. Go cut the grass. All right, when we come back, Elon Musk speaks out about owning Bitcoin. We'll take a look at futures as well. We said that we're set up for a mixed open here. S&P and Dow would open in negative territory. NASDAQ would get a little bit of a bump, but directionally, we're not doing all of that much. We'll see what happens off the open. More Squawk on the Street from the New York Stock Exchange is straight ahead. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. I might pump, but I don't dump. Uh, and I would like to see Bitcoin succeed. That's the most quiet I've ever Short been. Short and sweet. Never seen him. I'm sweet. He's, he's very quiet muted there. That was, you know, that was, that was Elon Musk. It was so quick. You might yeah. not have realized it was quick. Yeah. Elon Musk. He was speaking yesterday at the B-Word conference, making the case for owning Bitcoin. Well, I mean, of course he wants Bitcoin. To well, I mean, there's see, been this right? kind of uh, recidivist uh, rearguard action to bring back not uh, non-fungible tokens. We saw that with uh, Steve Jobs. Look, the people who are along these things have been quiet. Almost as if they're trying to trap the shorts. Musk is very clever at that. We know that. He talked about owning Ethereum. Now, I own Ethereum, and I, I think that I feel like you have to have exposure to Bitcoin, just like you have to have exposure to gold. Uh, there is something, I don't know if you caught Deirdre Bose's incredible interview yesterday with the guys from Tether. Brutal. Brutal. Why? Because they, her, their lack of transparency was so frightening that Gary Gensler gave a speech yesterday to the American Bar Association where he's talking about maybe it's time to regulate um, some of these securities. Now, people don't want ever to hear that any of the things that you see right now are securities, particularly Tether. But if Gary Gensler decides that as security, he mandates that as a security, we're going to find out what they own. Now, Deirdre Bosa does not have subpoena power. Gary Gensler does. <laughs> the, idea, the, the idea that, that crypto is, is tied directionally to the S&P, right? It's a, either risk asset or risk off asset. Is that where we're back now? If the I market think so. is looking through COVID, is Bitcoin and the crypto complex going to now have a, yeah, it gets another bubbly again. Up? It gets bubbly. But I'll tell you what's the, you know, there's going to be a, either a Waterloo or a, um, let's just say a, a great victory with what comes with this Robin Hood deal. Because Robin Hood is giving far more than usual to its customers. If Robin Hood opens down, do his customers buy more? I think they sell. So Robinhood could be the test of the, re- of the real craziness in this market. Now, I think Vlad Tenev, I talked with, uh, I talked with Mark Benioff last night on, about Salesforce. Bl- Vlad's breaking all the rules. I mean, he's going to give a lot of people stock who may not know what to do. Will they hold their AMC? Will they hold their GameStop? In order, will they buy continue to buy these little $3 stocks? And, you know, yesterday there was a stock. I'm not going to mention it. Was only, it was only $30 million valuation. But it had three, 3 million shares and 100 million shares traded. What the heck is that? <laughs> you know, you since we were talking about tech just a moment ago, um, you had Benioff. Uh, Mark yes. Benioff on Mad Money. I don't know if we have it, any of well, that tape. I, the, the sound that he had about the Biden administration, specifically, oh, oh, we're going to do that. They're not anti We're going to do that coming up. I thought we were doing that here. Oh, that's fine. I mean, well, we had that. It's hard to hear. I got crowd well, we here. No, it's like the old days here. It's pre-pandemic. 
But this 1919 theory, I'm going to keep that in people's mind just because that's a brutal way for a pandemic to end. But it did end. And you hope that it's we have lower morbidity. But the people who are so brave as to say it's just a flu, so therefore they don't need to get vaccinated. But I would tell them, do they get flu shots? I mean, if you know that a flu shot were to be 95% effective, wouldn't everyone take the flu shot? If you didn't call it COVID, you just called it the flu. You wish they don't that, get it. You wish that some of the people who are now suddenly urging others to get vaccinated would have done that months ago yeah. before the Delta variant started spreading wildly well, here. We don't have to worry about them. They only the have the most watched TV shows. They, they have no impact. All right, still to come, a CEO hat trick. Don't miss interviews with the heads of Southwest, Dow, and Union Pacific. And up next is Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. Take a look at futures once again. Set up for a mixed open. S&P would open fractionally higher. More Squawk on the Street when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, time now for the Mad Dash with Kramer as we head to the opening bell. What are we looking at? I'm looking at Union Pacific, and it's just an excellent quarter. Now, a lot of people were worried about Union Pacific because they thought that they might be in bad shape because of the West Coast port delays. Because remember, Union Pacific is the way to, to get that stuff in. And maybe Union Pacific also, by the way, people were a little worried about if they did, if they did that KSU transaction, which would come out against Union Pacific. That deal may fall through because of, of a Biden challenge. Suddenly, I look at a company that it, every coal that coals back, CSX said coals back too. See, I, I was going to go to CSX because you were talking about that earlier on Twitter. Well, natural gas got so expensive that the utilities just switched. They're not, they're not idiots. Far products really, really good. By the way, CSX, same thing. Industrial chemicals, really, really good. We're seeing, uh, by the way, their, their ratio of, of costs is fantastic. I think I think that the 10 o'clock show has Union Pacific, and it's going to blow people away. Lance Fritz is going to blow people away, because a lot of people felt there's no way he could do this. They underestimate him constantly. And by the way, can you please ask him about the amazing hiring of women that he's done? This is a guy who's committed to getting women in high, high positions at his company. Making notes. And you should ask him because it's something that he is really fixated on correctly. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. The opening bell is just minutes away, followed by the CEOs of Southwest Airlines and Dow don't go anywhere. He's saying a lot of really smart things. And he, you know, he is saying some things that other people were afraid to say that are true things. So, look, we have to, we have the crisis of prioritization in government. They've got to figure out what's truly important. And certainly our technology industry is one of the great assets of our country, of course. And we want to help all of our customers get back to growth and to reignite the economy. You know, and the government has to be a team as part of that. Salesforce's Mark Benioff with Jim on Mad Money last night commenting on what President Biden is saying about tech. What do you, what did you think about 
these comments. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny. The one that always skates by is Microsoft. And people are torrid about Fang, about Facebook being too powerful or Alphabet or Amazon being too powerful. But you know, Mark yesterday closed the deal on Slack. And Slack is at war with Microsoft. Why? Because they think Microsoft's too powerful. Now, I don't know about you. I have Hewlett Packard. When I turn it on, it now but Teams comes up. I didn't ask for Teams to come up, but it just comes up. I well, thought that just happened with me. No, literally. no, they did that to everybody. And that's the antitrust issue. So, I mean, I think that, yes, there are tech companies that are too powerful, just not the ones that people think. I don't think that Facebook. I mean, this Facebook. is a guy that said Facebook was like the new cigarettes. Right. And now, but that's okay, because the other day, President Biden said it's a murder. That's now, he did take that back. He walked he it back. It, he walked it back to Manfor. He said it's Manfor. Big right. tech has an issue, but you know what? It hasn't stopped the stop. All right. You're listening to the opening bells. You're looking at the real-time CNBC exchange as well here at the big board. In structure, it's a learning management platform celebrating its IPO today up at the NASDAQ database company. Couchbase is also celebrating its IPO. But for all of that, Jim, about, okay, you know, Biden says what he says, and we know what Benioff's position on Facebook is, and probably some of the other big tech companies. Investors don't care about any of that. No, the only thing that happens is, is that, let's say you're Facebook. You're probably not going to be able to do DM which is their Libra. Why did DM, they, that's their stable coin they want to do? And what's weird is that what they named it after the guy from South Vietnam that was the, you know, DM, is, that ended badly. I don't understand. Sometimes Zuckerberg needs a little history lesson over there. But I, I do think that Alphabet, is, if it's really powerful, too powerful, you break it up, you get more money. That's the problem. Alphabet, you know, cloud, their, their, their Google Cloud services is on fire, by the way. No one talks about it. Thomas Curry and taking customers left and right. Uh, I, by the way, this Microsoft going higher on that call is so bullish because that's just a call which says, hey, Microsoft's okay. If Texas Instruments, if Texas Instruments comes back, then you know that Advanced Micro is going to 100 and NVIDIA is going right to the equivalent of where it was before this, the, the high, before the split, which I did like. Texans right now is down more than 4%. Well, I mean, they, 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 when you kibosh your own stock, it it's is, never good to do that. No, I find that's a that's a suboptimal way to approach things. Ill-advised. It's an ill-advised way to handle your conference call. To have analysts begging for you to say something good and just not even giving them It's like when anything. the coach stands up in front of the football team and says, you know, guys, we stink. We're awful. We can't beat anybody. What do you expect? The guys to run out through, run through a brick wall for you I, after my, that? My advice to Texas is, is to remember the Titans. <laughs> Look, you said, I, we didn't get to this specifically, what you, what you said yesterday about the S&P, that it's, quote, done getting slammed. Yes. Yes, because we had the, you know, this, this theme of 2021 is the three-day correction. Plus, what Mike Wilson's talking about is on your show today, a rolling correction, say, on the steals. I mean, the steals just had a, the steals just had a sell-off to end all sell-offs. And I think that they can come back, uh, particularly if we ever get an infrastructure bill, which, well, whatever. Hey, what would you think of the Williams-Sonoma? Since we're talking about oh, people getting out, whether you're, whether this you're vaccinated or piece vaccinated. This slander. It's slander. There was a cut to a sell at Goldman yeah, yeah, Sachs. No, no, that was just... I mean, that was a completely unnecessary, gratuitous act. Laura Albert's terrific, the CEO. Uh, they're talking about hard comparisons. Have they ever been to West Elm? West Elm is the way you decorate everything. I mean, West Elm, I'm a West Elm household. 
My daughter's West Elm. Now, that's anecdotal, but everybody is. I know, but, that's is one, done, but that's just one piece of the Williams-Sonoma pie. Every single one is on fire. How dare this person downgrade it to sell? Uh, Kate McShane. There, I'm sorry, Kate, that I point out your name. You're probably a nice person. But uh, <laughs> difficult comparisons for 2022. How about a brilliant CEO who's going who's gonna to challenge and then succeed over those comparisons? Laura Alberts is Laura, I don't know if you know Laura. She comes on my show. I mean, she predicted that there would be outdoor living because of COVID and had lines of outdoor furniture before people even realized that you had to be outdoors. That's how good she is. So we knock, we knock Goldman down. Can we bring them? Can we, can we, can we pick them back up? Foot Locker initiated by? Brilliant piece. <laughs> Brilliant piece. I mean, I'm shocked how See? good that piece was. It's case by case, my friend. All we have. You know who we ought to bring right now? I think we should bring in one of my favorite CEOs, and he's not going to be CEO for long, which Let's is bothering it. me. Let's We're do going it. to bring in Southwest Air. Now, people are calling it mixed results. I think that that's nonsense. I think it's great results. Uh, but the company's swinging to a profit. Uh, and let me also make this point. They're so optimistic about the future about travel that I can't wait. Let's bring in right now Gary Kelly, the CEO of Southwest Air. Gary, you are, as you know, my favorite. I make no bones about it. I'm sorry, Scott Kirby. I love you. And I love the Doug Park. He's you got a lot of good guys in your industry is the problem. I think all your CEOs are good. But, Gary, I'm going to take the opposite view of people who say it was mixed. I think that the, that the actual traveler, the person who is going places, He's going places in extraordinary fashions against even 2019 comparisons. Am am, am I wrong about being so optimistic? Well, I don't think so at all. And, uh, of course, you know, we're still muddling through a pandemic. And I think we we all just have to be realistic about the risk associated, you know, with that in the future. But, uh, I mean, these are are very good results. Um, Our revenues almost doubled from the uh, first quarter levels. And uh, the bookings for the third quarter look really strong in relative terms. And, um, yeah, we were profitable in the month of June. And we've got a good shot at profitability for the third quarter as a whole. So um, there's no effect on our uh, demand right now from the Delta variant. And, and hopefully that will continue to be the case. But, uh, we, you know, as, as we're adjusting to higher volumes, we've got a little bit of a cost penalty here in the second and third quarter, but uh, we'll smooth those things out. And, yeah, we've got great opportunities to grow next year and obviously very excited about that. Jim, if you go back a year ago, I remember you saying the sweeping nature of the bailout, so to speak, for airlines should not have really been applied to Southwest Air because you got a great balance sheet. You're going to get through this. Your balance sheet strength is is indeed unmatched in the U.S. airliners, but I would say unmatched versus many industrials in this country. It looks really good, and uh, you know I'll take it. Uh, you know, when even at the beginning of the second quarter, uh, we we weren't sure exactly where things would be. Uh, here 90 days later, and uh, we've definitely done better than we thought. Uh, the cash generation was much stronger than we thought. Uh, we've got $17 billion in the bank and um, you know, $11 billion in, in debt. So we're in great shape, and, and even with that, our leverage has climbed to only 57%. So we'll, we'll pay down a lot of debt over the next five years, and uh, you know, we'll continue to be in, in great fighting shape. and. I'm just delighted to be at this point. Uh, we've got always, we always have things to work on, but uh, very, very excited to be able to uh, uh, be looking ahead and planning for the future and thinking about growth opportunities. 
Yeah, I, I can't believe your stock's down a dollar ninety. I think it's a buy. Gary, one of the questions where I turn you over to Scott. Uh, I read this and I say to myself, does does Gary need even more planes than you bought? And you bought those planes at the low because you're a very smart negotiator. Do you need more? Boeing's got some for you. Well, no, we yeah we have a great team uh, at Southwest Airlines who who has that uh, Boeing relationship, and Boeing is a great partner. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that that's if there's if there's a uh, a tendency one way or the other, it feels like we need more airplanes. I think my concern though, Jim, right now is just hiring and uh, staffing going forward. So it's a very tight labor market. Um, so the good thing about Southwest, though, is we can commit to add airplanes, and if we don't have the resources that we need to uh, fly more uh, uh, flights, then we can simply retire older aircraft, and it's still earnings accretive. So we're in a great position. We are very flexible uh, in terms of how we execute. I think everybody just has to remember that this pandemic is very messy. It's messed up the supply chain and so many different industries all over the world. And ours is no different. So it was messy going into the pandemic. It's going to be messy coming out. And we are so well prepared uh, to manage through that. So uh, again, I'm very proud of our people and how they put us in this position. Hey, Gary, it's nice to see you this morning. Uh, It's Scott. Just to pick up on where you left off here, how difficult is it to find people across all jobs at Southwest Airlines right now, and, and what are you having to do in terms of wage increases to attract workers? Well, we moved our, our starting wage rate to a minimum of $15 an hour, uh, and so that's one thing that we have done. Uh, and, you know, our staffing overall right now is in very good shape. We do, we've got pockets of stress uh, throughout the country. Uh, if you look at a specific airport, uh, we could, we, we're understaffed in certain cases. And the hiring process is just slower. So when we put out, uh, when we post jobs, we're getting uh, fewer inquiries. And um, we're, we're, it's just long, taking longer, and it's definitely a, a tight market. So I don't think that this will persist indefinitely. Uh, we're definitely uh, beefing up our internal resources to, to have... Uh, wider and deeper recruiting efforts. So it, it's definitely a concern. And everything that you read in, in, in the news about this, uh, we're experiencing. But it's, uh, it, it's mostly airport workers. Um, the uh, p- pilots and flight attendants, uh, actually, the hiring there, we're, we're in very good shape. But uh, uh, frontline front employees working on the ground at the airports, uh, we definitely have some struggles in some, in some locations. Yeah, forgive me for stepping on your toes there, uh, Gary. I'm, I'm wondering, do, do you have better visibility now on the runway, so to speak, for getting back to maybe not pre-COVID business travel levels, but somewhere close to that, whereas almost a year ago on this network, and I think in a conversation with Jim and the gang who are regularly here, you were talking about a 10-year time frame to get back to business travel levels like you had once experienced. Do you feel more optimistic as that time frame shortened at all? You know, I, I do feel more optimistic uh, for all the reasons that we've been talking about. Uh, 90 days ago, we weren't at all sure that this is where we would be uh, here in July with uh, very strong demand, uh, very full airplanes. 
Uh, and so we're glad to be here. So I think that that's a good indication. And a lot of these people, of course, that are flying, uh, they're flying for leisure or, or consumer purposes, but they are business people. Uh, so they're the same people. And I, I think that that is a, a healthy indication, just the fact that you have travel demand out there. You look at our managed corporate travel, it's uh, down about 69% for the month of June compared to uh, 2019 levels. And that's better than it was in May and April and, and so forth uh, going forward. So my hope is that we can get that uh, to recover to maybe down 50% by the end of this quarter. Uh, again, I think it all it kind of depends on the Delta variant. I was li listening to your show earlier this morning and... Um, we're talking with Scott Gottlieb and, and the prediction that maybe some companies will be delaying their return to office uh, with their employees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's anybody's guess here in the short term. But I do think over the longer term, uh, whether that's three years, five years or 10 years, I think we're all going to feel like business travel is robust, whether it's literally back to 2019 levels. Who knows? But, yeah, I think things are going to normalize and all dependent upon crushing this virus. So uh, I would just appeal to everybody, get the vaccination uh, so we can stop uh, dealing with all these uh, health issues. And Gary Kelly is an apolitical person, so those who hear that should not think that it's a Democrat issue. Gary, you once came on air during the uh, height of the pandemic and said, well, people can they'll fly, but there's really no place to go. There's nothing open. Where are people going, right. Gary? This is very robust. Where are they headed? Yeah, well, things are open. And uh, beaches are open. Uh, you know, the mountains are open. Uh, Disneyland is open. Uh, you've got New York opening back up. Uh, California opens up. They tighten back. But, yeah, there are at least places to go. And people, uh, you could tell uh, that, you know, there's a lot of speculation there. There was this pent-up demand uh, to get back uh, and travel again, and uh, I think that that's been proven. So, uh, yeah, national parks are very crowded. So it's uh, yeah, people are anxious to get out and about, and we want to be there to to take them where they want to go. Well, thank you, Gary. I'm glad you're still with us, and I'm sure probably in the near future, Bob Jordan will be doing the call with you. I hope we do a smooth transition, exactly the way that Southwest does things. Great to see you, sir. We will indeed. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's Gary Kelly of Southwest joining us there. Dow Inc. Meantime, posting an earnings beat for its second quarter. The chemicals company pointed to an increased demand and tight supply across its segments, but signaled a brighter outlook as the global economic recovery broadens. Joining us now first on CNBC, Jim Fitterling. He is the Dow chairman and CEO. Sir, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm looking at a couple of analyst reports, significant beat. One says healthy earnings beat, says another. Yet I look at your stock this morning and it's down by more than 2%. Why do you think that is? Well, as you know, sometimes uh, real results in the market don't line up. Um, but our second quarter was the strongest quarter in the company's history, pre or post spin. And our third quarter order book is very, very strong. So I think our outlook is that we're going to see a third quarter very much uh, like the second quarter. And that's across many of our segments uh, and driven, obviously, by demand and backlogs at our customers. Many of our customers now with 45 to 60-day backlogs on their order books. 
you know, I'm looking at at least, I, I suppose you could call it criticism, that this is a story about higher prices for you and that it's unsustainable in the chemicals market. Certainly that's the narrative put forth by Bank of America last week, where they downgraded your stock to an underperform, where they say the top is near. Are they telling a different story than one that you see? I think it's been a difficult market for people to understand, and I think a lot of it has been based on what they saw with oil price and, and when oil prices went down. Uh, we have to remember that supply coming on in oil is in advance of demand that's coming. We're, we're within four to five million barrels a day of pre-COVID oil demand numbers, and I think that's the same thing that we see in our downstream markets. We're still not back to volume numbers like we had pre-pandemic. So we've had record earnings, and we're still not back to pre-pandemic volumes. In the second quarter, we had pretty much a month of impact from winter storm Uri, and we were able to deliver great volumes, up 9%, and great pricing. And in the third quarter, we're running hard going into July with an order book that's stronger than we had in the second quarter. And it looks like we're going to be running hard now through the end of the year, and probably not a chance at that point to build inventories. Well, I think, Jim, something is Jim Kramer. Uh, one of the things that I think confound people is they look at the queue of the stock market and they think, oh, well, there it is. That's what's wrong. And then they try to build a thesis backward. I don't want to play that game, but I do know that you were on record suggesting that Dow's peak EBITDA, or for interest tax appreciation amortization, was about $12 billion. And after this print, you are at that run rate. So perhaps people are saying that's as good as it can get. He's told you what to, what to shoot for, and they got there. Well, what we said to them today, Jim, was it isn't as good as it can get. Uh, we're at that run rate. But we've also got $1.6 billion of higher earnings coming, a billion from incremental capacity expansions, which are underway right now, and $600 million from a combination of digital investments and productivity growth. So you've got $1.6 billion of additional earnings on top of that, and that's conservative in the near term. It will take me a little while to ramp CapEx up to depreciation. We're spending $1.6 billion in CapEx this year. I want to get it up to $2.2 billion, and then we're going to look at obviously going beyond that as the economy continues to strengthen. Right now, GDP projections are greater than 6% on the back of the United States, China, and a little bit of Western Europe. The rest of Europe, India, Brazil, and other economies in Southeast Asia are going to come out of this pandemic and add to that demand strength. And I think that's where the issue is. I think people are being too conservative about the forward look for 2022. I'm, I'm not going to let this interview go without talking about what you've done to try to improve the situation for recycling. And there's a Ralph Lauren issue, Olympic issue. That's a feel-good story. I know that we're not supposed to do feel-good stories, just feel-bad stories. I'm giving it to you, Jim. Tell it. Well, we've been working very hard to make our products more sustainable and to meet uh, consumer demands. And Ralph Lauren is a partner that we've worked with for the past year, a little more than a year, to develop a product uh, that helps them to reduce the footprint of the products that they make. Textile dyeing uh, requires a lot of water, a lot of chemicals, and a lot of energy to make that happen. When the Olympic team marches out, they're going to be wearing the EcoFast Pure Polo. EcoFast is a Dow product. It allows Ralph Lauren to dye those materials with 40% less water, 
85% less chemicals and 90% less energy. And that industry is one of the biggest uh, users of water in all of, um, of manufacturing. And so this is a real breakthrough, and you're going to see it next year when they launch their Color on Demand series in New York and at some of their big flagship stores. We're proud to be their partner, and I think it's another story, in addition to plastics recycling and all the things we're doing, to move down the path of a more circular economy. Jim, before I let you go, can you give us an update on the chemical leak down in Texas from yesterday? Sure. Thanks, David. It was brought under control before midday yesterday. We had a tanker of uh, an, a monomer that's used to make adhesives that was starting to vent, and, and the team did a fantastic job of getting that under control, keeping it in containment. There was no uh, loss of containment or no, no fire or nothing like that. And uh, that's what we trained for. Uh, it was unfortunate, but uh, I think it's uh, all under control, and we're now doing the learning so that we can avoid a repeat of that incident. All right. We appreciate your time this morning, sir. We'll talk to you again soon, hopefully here on Squawk on the Street. That's Jim Fitterling of Dow joining us. You can call me David. He's doing, call his, me best to, he can call doing me his best to make it so that there's recycling. You can call recycling. me Carl. He could. Well, as long as he doesn't call you late for dinner. <laughs> there you go. All right. Still to come, the CEO parade continues. We'll talk with the head of Union Pacific about earnings, COVID, and the recovery, and much more as we head to break. Take a look at the movement in the U.S. Treasuries and the Eurozone bonds. We'll be right back. Looking at the best performers on the S&P 500 so far this week, topped with Peloton and Moderna, Lamb Research, KLA Corp., and... DocuSign, nice gains all across the board. Pandemic stocks, pandemic stocks. What's on the big show, Matt? Okay, number one performer in the S&P right now is Domino's. You have to have him on, right, Rich Allison? American Electric Power, the ninth best performer. That's, of course, because of interest rates. But uh, there's nobody knows the, the way the country's working, the Nick Akins, because they're the largest transmitter of electricity in this country. 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll be there. You bet. I'll watch Mike Wilson today. All right. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.